खुसरो दरिया प्रेम का उल्टी वाकी धार जो उतरा सो डूब गया जो डूबा सो पार हेलो एंड वेलकम टू द फोर्थ एपिसोड ऑफ मसाला ट्रेल्स आई एम सृष्टि एंड आई बी योर होस्ट फॉर दिस एपिसोड आई एम अ स्टूडेंट ऑफ हिस्ट्री इंटरेस्टेड इन मिडीवल नॉली मॉडर्न हिस्ट्री फ्रॉम द वांटेज पॉइंट ऑफ जेंडर इमोशंस मेमोरी एंड अदरिंग द कपलेट आई जस्ट रिसाइटेड वाज रिटन बाय द 13th सेंचुरी हिंदवी पोएट अमीर खुसरो who knew that his compositions will find a place in a fusion based music platform Cook Studio Pakistan has not merely globalized local musical traditions but it has also given a voice to the emotions of many when people love grieve doubt it is the native language that resonates with them the most and in this respect Cook Studio Pakistan precisely becomes the symphony of south asia It is a social movement reflecting layers of political tensions and capturing the emotional sensibilities of people through music while striking a balance between globalization and localization. In this episode, we talk about various aspects of Coke Studio Pakistan, its inception, significance and reception through your favorite qawalis and compositions of the platform. We have with us Shehwar Kibria Makfi, who's a PhD scholar at UCLA Herb Albert School of Music. She is also an ethnographer and qualitative researcher working with Muslim hereditary practitioners of Islamic liturgical and non-liturgical music in Uttar Pradesh. Cook Studio Pakistan and Ode to Eastern Music with a Western Touch. Makfi's work becomes crucial for us. Sound of the Nation, Symphony of South Asia, Tutai Hind. Let's explore the multifaceted aspects of Cook Studio together. the interview i am really thankful to ms shaver kibria makfi for agreeing to talk on the theme with us her essay coke studio pakistan and ode to eastern music with a western touch becomes extremely crucial for us to understand coke studio pakistan as a social movement of its own i'm super excited for the conversation and i hope to see coke studio pakistan in a distinctive light after this But uh, before we actually begin with the interview, Shahwar, do you want to, you know, talk a little bit about your dissertation, about your interests in Coke Studio Pakistan, and uh, you know, what are your inclinations? What is the drive behind this interest in Coke Studio? Uh, firstly, hi, Shruti. Thanks for having me here. I'm very excited to uh, to do this with you, to do this conversation slash interview uh, with you. Um, yes, yeah, speaking. Um, about my interest in coke studio pakistan well uh, i'm based i'm uh, i've been a, i've been a scholar of i've been working on uh, the linkages between you know devotional traditions and popular culture and art so that was one point of entry mm-hmm. uh, into uh, into my interest uh, in in coke studio pakistan but then um, it's it's a mix of lot of factors really i have grown up with a lot of a love for you know devotional traditions mm-hmm. like uh, uh, sufism and you know islamic devotional traditions that um i have grown up with a with a very intense love for these spaces and and, and i'm particularly uh, my love for how these spaces are so uh, although they are so devotion and identity specific and still they have they are so diverse in nature and they're so welcoming Um, and how these spaces they become refuges and shelters for so many different kinds of people and not necessarily just for people who belong to the faith but for so many people just to get uh, the kind of people the different kinds of people who go to shrine and so religiously and with so much love so um the shrine spaces and 
these very grassroots and subaltern spaces of faith mm-hmm. and how are they still able to attract so many people that has always been uh, a driving uh, force not just personally for me but also intellectually and this was something which i first explored when i first looked at the uh, connections between say uh, the poetry of molana rumi and iranian cinema this mm-hmm. was then during my uh, masters this mm-hmm. was during my masters at jadavpur university i grew up in calcutta mm-hmm. um and then uh, my interests it, i it, uh, uh, like expanded from there then i ended up doing a dissertation on the qawwali in contemporary pop uh, contemporary uh, south asian popular culture at jnu in 2016 and this article is actually an extract from there and currently i have i am now looking at how these connections are made how connections are made between devotional cultures and the larger secular world um, and currently i'm working with muslim musicians in uttar pradesh mm-hmm. um, uh, as as a phd as a phd uh, scholar at cla right now that's so, that's super yeah, that's interesting cool. yeah it uh, actually makes a lot of sense you know the drive behind your article go um, studio pakistan the ode um, east note to west touch um shaver i was thinking like before we go ahead with uh, you know the context in which coke studio pakistan or the project was um, you know initiated can you tell us a little bit about um, you know the uh, the historical traditions of music that existed before coke studio pakistan especially qawwali and you know what is the essence of it uh, and because that essence lies at the core of coke studio compositions so it will be a little unfair if we actually move on to coke studio before exploring um, you know the essence and the emotional sensibility that often surrounds qawwali correct true uh, so speaking about the qawwali i mean um, coke studio pakistan has largely been credited for me these kinds of devotional music like the qawwali or the ghazal they have made it relevant for the youth again they and have they have managed to do it quite successfully but there are several reasons how they have managed to do it and we'll unpack that you know okay. uh, bit by bit as i start so speaking of the qawwali we know that the qawwali is driven by dominant emotion of, of of a very sustained longing for divine love mm-hmm. and um, largely this can be um, explained as um for a certain kind of exaltation it mm-hmm. can be a spiritual exaltation certain kind of uh, attainment of of an intensity of intense emotional feeling right so uh, for an, uh, so for an initiated listener this uh, spiritual intensity can either come from the way they interpret the texts which are being sung so the poetry which uh, is being sung in mm-hmm. the qawwali or some people who are not that familiar with the esoteric subtleties of a qawwali they will just react to how the music is presented how it's being sung mm-hmm. um and speaking about qawwali being a very uh, being a process for ecstatic intuitive fulfillment mm-hmm. as kurishi puts it regular mm-hmm. kurishi puts it uh, edward o henry says uh, speaking on the intensity aspect right so edward o henry says how indian music mm-hmm. and not just qawwali all forms of indian music and, and in this he invokes max weber he says that music is a social action as is or as a social action it's driven by rationality 
and what is that rationality rationality is whenever you do something you have an end goal in mind so the end goal in mind for a cabal is always to generate intensity in its discourse and they do that by adopting uh, different kinds of methods they either indulge in a very fervid forceful singing Mm-hmm. uh this forceful singing is always uh, accompanied or to the pulse of either the dhola right. the drum beats mm-hmm. or or hand clapping mm-hmm. hand clapping thap thapya mm-hmm. but the hand clapping and thap thapya which are uh, largely done by the backing the vocalists who are also known as hamdawas or someone mm-hmm. hamdawas it's not not someone who's peripheral to the kabal but someone who complements the kabal someone who's a companion a comrade Mm-hmm. So these hamnavas, what they do is through their kata, through their hand clapping. Not only mm-hmm. are they keeping the beat of the kavali, like mm-hmm. the the sung portion, the musical voice. Not only are they keeping the beat of the musical voice, they also provide it breathing space. They also provide breathing space for the kaval because the poetry is sung very fervently. It's it's almost maddening how right. forceful it is. Mm-hmm. and also uh, hand clapping and coupled with the drum beats coupled with the drum beats of course mm-hmm. it's also a method for taming and conditioning the listeners how taming their heart beat so that they don't get very overwhelmed while they're listening to a kavali mm-hmm. because originally kavalis uh, were imagined as forms of worship right and the, it had this dedicated goal of make of you know uh, affecting some kind of transcendence in its listener mm-hmm. and these are very risky processes because you're giving so much as a listener you are getting so involved in the process that you're also at the risk sometimes of emotional saturation so that yeah. is what is is all prevented by by the pulse by the dropping so that is one way in which intensity is generated other ways might be um, that if if the kaval because kaval as the guardian of this entire kavali process they're completely watchful they're very self aware they constantly look they're constantly watchful of how a particular listener is responding so if a particular listener is say responding to a particular phrase the kaval will go back to that phrase again and again they will improvise the melody because mm-hmm. again kavali this is why kavali is also an improvisational form just mm-hmm. like the khayal the khayal genre of hindustani classical music and kavali is quite akin to the khayal genre in that it is very improvisation it is very flexible it's very flexible and this is why uh, it incorporates and it makes uh, its uh, transformation so very possible and this is why it as a musical form it lends itself so beautifully to something like kosmio pakistan hmm so uh, speaking on you know speaking on how sia kawal can uh, modulate his own performance to suit his performance to the listeners changing needs mm-hmm. uh, if if we look up if we take the instance of the chhapila kawal chhapila tak chini re mose naina mila Uh, it's a poetry by Hazrat Amir Khusro written in honor of his peer 
they will be in the shoes of the shrine so musically kosuju pakistan has been able to convey at least the emotional intensity of the song mm-hmm. but since kosuju pakistan is not just a musical medium it's also a visual medium mm-hmm. so what about that and also the overlying logic is that cannot just you know pitch this kawali to someone who knows what a kawali is about because you also you also want to include listeners who are not familiar with this concept and not just the con- context but also the language mm-hmm. language is also a barrier right mm-hmm. so what they have done is in, like specifically this is as an example this particular kawali the way it un- un- uh, unravels in that space mm-hmm. in the space of the recording studio you know Mm-hmm. and the kawali has the, the meaning the emotional content of not just the kawali but also the raag raag bagish mm-hmm. it spills over into the mizon sound you can mm-hmm. see dark gray panels framing mm-hmm. the kawal you can see a light panel just behind the kawal that you can see silvery bluish lights which are tinkling and how the kawals have been framed and it evokes this feeling of you know deep longing and something something quite uh, pure is happening but it's unexplainable so the mise-en-scene also the way the the the, the way the performances have been curated visually hmm. it's not just a space where the music is being made or happening right the space is a visualization of the music so i think on these two levels folk studio like uh folk studio in conveying the emotional intensity of a song not just musically but visually i think this is something which they have completely missed hmm. but that being said uh when we are talking about kawalis and folk studio pakistan we are also talking about kawalis in a post capitalistic context right hmm. Hmm. and uh, we are also talking about kawali so now the music is not just something which someone does but something which someone consumes right so of course that over that overarching logic of you know corporate mm. and neoliberal consumption is there and uh, i mean it is assumed i mean there's not something we are debating here assume that of course when you uh, are listening to uh, an organic or you really when you're listening to a devotional piece of music on Coast Radio Pakistan, of course you are consuming a commodity, but then um, a commodity also changes itself. And Arjun Apudurai says that commodity itself is not a static static object. It changes, and it changes due to social relations. It changes through exchange. It changes in form. It can become a religious artifact. It can become a gift. So these things happen. So of course, things keep shifting but the the i think the important thing here to uh, focus is uh, focus on is how uh, emotionality travels mm-hmm. between the space of authentic with quotes unquote authentic performance and to the space of staged performance mm-hmm. um, and i think um, and i think uh, a listener of course to pakistan can get a feeling of 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 a darga kawali when they when they just put on their headset and on their on their way to work and that immersive experience you can you can feel an emotional intensity so mm. i think yes that's correct um these business anything hmm no those are some really very solid observations and um, i completely uh, agree with those uh, so like the two aspects that you have talked about you know 
the visuals and the intensity of Coke Studio Pakistan. So both of them uh, yeah. are preserved, uh, you know, in your opinion, uh, with the, you know, when we talk, when we compare them with the Darga Kawali. So, I mean, what I want to, uh, want you to talk on next is the political climate in which such preservation was possible. Because, like, I think your article very well explores that and you will be the best person to, uh, you know, talk more yeah. about it. But um, because this preservation cannot, I think, be possible without, uh, you know, certain s strong political direction or, you know, maybe certain strong uh, uh, intentions or a strong resolve to uh, do something uh, is, uh, until, uh, unless that's there. So, can you talk more about the specific uh, context uh, in which Coke Studio Pakistan was uh, born? Sure. Mm -hmm. uh, so, uh, I think I'll start with the Pakistan not just as preserving a musical tradition but rather preserving the emotional you know the emotional quotient of the tradition because um, although they are invoking a very shrine like that affective energy which you feel in a shrine but the context act actually has been removed right so it, it is entrenched from the context of performance mm -hmm. but as a musical artifact it Kosuyo Pakistan what they do is they are they have been able to convey the affective and the emotional uh, aspect of the music. Mm -hmm. But that being said, of course, um, there were several factors. I mean, Kosovo um, Pakistan uh, at best is definitely, uh, in, in many ways, it was a rebranding of Pakistan itself. And uh, there were several kinds of uh, uh, contexts and reasons uh, which led to Co Studio Pakistan, and, and it draws from the legacy of the larger tradition of uh, of uh, musical resistance, mm -hmm. and um, which uh, some of it was directed. Uh, some of it started, in fact, during 1980, uh, during the Islamist regime of Ziaul um, Haq, and how. Um, his, uh, his pension desire of, you know, completely uh, giving or uh, imagining Pakistan as having this very unitary one uh, faith identity. Um, and this is this was also the time when due to so much censorship and um, a lot of musicians, especially Kaval musicians and a lot of these uh, 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 musicians, uh, they started traveling outside Pakistan mm. because... Uh, Pakistan at that time was not, you know, it was not a very conducive space for performance. Although uh, after partition, mm -hmm. uh, during the initial years of Pakistan in the late 1940s, early 1950s, mm -hmm. the Kavali was actually adopted. Uh, the Kavali was adopted as a form of soft power for the This was the time when uh, Kavali and mostly uh, Kavali. Uh, uh, based on the poetry of Allama Iqbal, this was called Iqbali mm -hmm. and this was the kind of Kavali which had completely, you know, uh, uh, which you could hear on, you were hear everywhere on radios and on satellite, it was a, a satellite television program, there was no cable then and um, all of this was happening, a lot of musical practice was happening, Kavali became in some sense sound of this and this is also something I talk about in my dissertation. Mm -hmm. But then again, uh, during 70s and 80s, 
uh, climate changed uh, there was a lot of political censorship and a lot of political censorship because of a very uh, strict and patriarchal and a very uh, uh, male oriented understanding of islam uh, started taking dominance in the country mm. and uh, yes a very islamist and a very uh, restrictive interpretation of the religion started taking this was also the time when not only coming back to my point that gawal started moving outside of the country and within the country a lot of uh, subversive music culture they started taking ground so there was a lot of uh, subculture uh, underground music movements was happening this was also the time when the pakistani youth they were getting sensitized with uh, rock and punk rock mm. and jazz you know during this time but all of this was happening underground mm. so uh, because of uh, so much uh, censorship and strictures within the country kawal mm. started moving outside but this led to something else now mm. when for instance sabri brothers they performed in sometime sometime in uh, 1978 mm-hmm. uh, when uh, sabri brothers they performed at uh, the carnegie hall mm-hmm. and this was the first time when uh, a world audience heard something which was so unfamiliar but it was so effectively they could resonate it resonated with them mm-hmm. so this was actually the first exposure of kawali in global music cultures and then of course uh, ustad musrat fadli khan uh, he performed in 1979 and then in 83 and collaborated with uh, peter gabriel he mm. performed at the world music and dance festival the womad and it was actually ustad musrat khan who uh, who uh, started who basically laid the foundation for this musical fusion you know mm. of uh, using a uh, kavali eastern rhythms of the kavali with western instrumentation mm-hmm. and this actually is one direct legacy which has inspired coke studio pakistan although uh, the world music movement was then local idioms or uh, local sounds and local musics mm-hmm. uh, they were being uh, uh, they were being interpreted globally on a global platform Yeah. But what Rohin Hayat with Coke Studio, what he does is mm. he takes all of these global influences mm. and he tries and adjusts it to suit a local context. So he reverses. In a way, he has reversed the world music movement which is happening. Mm-hmm. So uh, this is also interesting. This is also an interesting mm. thing uh, which happens. So uh, definitely, and also the kawalis which uh, these kawals were performing outside. uh and they invoke the poetry of poets like bulesha mm. of uh kabi mm. and of course amir khusro and mm. other such poets and the sufi poet itself is very subversive it's radical mm. and it has always been very vocal it, it has always been very vocal in its resistance against hegemonic discourses mm. be it the state be it the government be it the be it the uh, against hegemonies it has mm. always been against 
strictures and so this is this this was very ideal at that time mm. and so hold with all of these energies uh, when this newly imagined kavali it uh, started making its way back you know to its uh, to its home space or pakistan although the kavali as a musical form is very indian because the kavali was first performed in the nizamuddin basti in delhi mm-hmm. uh, but uh, after after partition it was only after partition that the kavali started migrating and then when the world music movement happened that was when it became it became a global phenomenon so this was one a uh, very direct and uh, uh, this was one important uh, process which uh, you can see has nourished a uh, core studio as a, as a musical form which we know of it today there were other um uh, motivations also behind core studio pakistan um other important motivation was to brand pakistan alternatively you not know, mm. to give an alternate uh, identity to what pakistan is that it is not it is it is pluralistic and it is diverse and most importantly it is musical Mm. most importantly it is musical and this is why i think and this is especially in the initial seasons when rohit mm. hayat was producing it mm. um you could not just hear a song in urdu or punjabi you could hear so many different dialects you could hear mm. sindhi and balochi mm. and you could hear uh, the himri you could hear himri geet and the dhol geet of the chakwal group um although i mean that is another debate ethnographically it's basically anthropologically it's a different debate because it's about appropriating a folk form uh, uh for for uh, called the commodification of folk form but then that being said um he was very conscious i think the original producer was very conscious of you know creating this alternate very pluralistic and diverse identity of pakistan and coke studio pakistan played a very huge role in doing this um another another uh, great motivation as i also previously mentioned was to adapt global idioms to a local context mm. and by doing that uh, it was a process of looking inwards mm. like looking inwards looking at what uh, resources you have i mean foregrounded foregrounding uh, folk musicians a uh, foregrounding musicians who use uh, the call of cattle herders in their song mm. uh, so all of these things lots of different things were happening uh, the political aspects was, was just an entry point into this uh, into the kosher discourse but then these were other larger greater things also yeah i see i see um one point that i could you know like uh, understand and very well you know that came out was that there was a strong tendency uh, you know of um, questioning the status quo and uh, you know as you have yourself yeah. talked about you know the musical resistance and that sentiment being present there um i wanted to understand about you know like now that we've already traced the technical aspects uh, or you know uh, the music specific aspect or the way music is produced you know with regard to coke studio uh, now let's move the focus or shift the focus to the theme or the themes that the compositions of coke studio coke studio attempt to unravel 
or you know the content that's being there so um now of course like there's a that fusion is a very important part you have you know you have also told that there was this um, attempt to um, fuse two styles of you know the local and the global uh and uh, okay. so in this it's it's a it, i think like it's a very important and a very uh, strong a prominent social process which can have repercussions on a lot of levels so um, do you think like uh, uh you know in terms of when we talk about the radicalness of the cook studio compositions so like do you think uh, it has you know the compositions that are being produced they have been constantly questioning the status quo and i want to actually streamline this question to particularly the aspect of gender here uh you know we have a lot of discourses over the thing that um, Uh, for example hook studios hum dekhenge included a segment from people belonging to the queer community or a lot of times you know it tries to it 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 brings into picture a lot of uh, female voices right uh, which i know i don't know but you you know which might not have been very prominent in the qawali that existed earlier or they were you know you need to tell us about that too so like how is cook studio uh a project that is born out of such radicalness a project that is born out of an attempt to create fusion of uh, you know of global and local values global and local emotional sensibilities mm-hmm. how does a project like this deal with other uh, prominent questions of society particularly gender and i also want you to talk more about you know for example people say that uh, what is it in cook studio compositions that a lot of women and gender minorities relate to it is i think something in its you know something in the way it approaches the emotional question and um, for example uh, you know people like zeb bangash so when they a lot of their compositions including rona chordia or ajare morisaya so all of these deal with very peculiar emotional experiences of women you know um because we have seen uh, parting uh, you know the emotions of parting the emotions of uh, yearning for your beloved all expressed from a certain vantage now you have coke studio which uh, perhaps you know in its effort to blend the local and the global talks about emotions that are also very m- modern that are you know also very relevant to a lot of women and gender minorities so do you think it is a revolution or some sort of change in that matter or is it just a continuation of just another music industry hmm so lots of interesting questions there mm-hmm. um so um i think what cox studio was doing mm-hmm. cox studio was tapping into a lot of musical and social cultural energies which were in any case present in you know mm-hmm. in the contemporary in contemporary pakistan i mean of course even though it was going to kind of an islamic islamist dictatorship but nonetheless the local mm. practitioners and uh, common the common mm. a common pakistani their views were quite different and mm-hmm. often most in most cases that these views were getting reflected in how they made music and also how they just interacted with each other mm. so i think folk studio in itself is not uh, i think it is in itself not a very it, it is in itself not radical or mm-hmm. subversive but it is tapping into energies which are radical and subversive mm, right. but that being said um yeah because there there because uh, i mean 
before coke studio pakistan you already had a superhero of the pakistan you already had a junoon you already had a sayuni and the hmm. sayuni the song i'm not sure if you're familiar with it maybe it's way way uh, uh, beyond your time but then sayuni by salman ahmed was i think one of the first songs which just shook the world and it was it was and that song was uh, playing into the radical and the subversiveness of sufi poetry sayuni it was talking about a uh, uh, very elementary question but uh, but it was not uh, tapping into western ideas of liberation for it it was drawing from very local sources and those local sources are devotional traditions devotional traditions so mm-hmm. i think um these were the larger logics mm-hmm. which inspires coke studio pakistan um and now coming to the question of gender yes it's very interesting but it's very tricky mm-hmm. uh, because of course uh, because in their i think uh, in their effort you know to represent pakistan as something which is different from media based narratives mm-hmm. so of course uh, when they're thinking about diversity they have also i think been very cautious about staging a kind of gender diversity also in uh, so uh, there have been i mean speaking of gender diversity in very literal sense there have of course been a lot of female singers mm-hmm. a lot of female singers on coke studio pakistan and including quratulain baloj devan hania bagosh parita khanum sanam marvi isha shafi uh, even uh, indian singer shilpa rao mm-hmm. um, nasibolal and of course the, the queen of them all deva mabinda par Mm-hmm. just dominates uh, you know the kawali performance largely a very strictly male tradition mm-hmm. and so some of these uh, ruptures have been very graciously portrayed on coast of pakistan mm-hmm. um but uh, but how how congruent are the staging of gender diversity which with actual gender parity on 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 the field i think this is something for which you need ethnographic evidence and mm-hmm. this is not something you know i will be i will be able to speak to just based on what i see on coast of pakistan because i don't know any uh, but um, mm-hmm. another way i think mm-hmm. uh, where uh, some form of self assertion because self assertion has been made possible is through the particular use of poetry and and songs and who is singing those songs so i think one particular composition uh, 
in Coke Studio, uh, which for me was very impactful, was uh, based on poetry by Allama Iqbal. This was the Jawab mm-hmm. Shikwa Jawab and Shikwa Kamal. Yes, and. Uh, so here, Shikpa Jawabi Shikpa is simple. It's just a man talking directly addressing God mm-hmm. or any common person directly addressing authority. And it is both a complaint and it is both uh, a way of self-assertion and self-determination that um, I am your creation, but you seem to have forsaken me. And this was this poetry was written during uh, during the colon- anti-colonial struggle. This has all this also has a lot of nationalistic sentiments, but it also mm-hmm. speaks to the current plight of the community of the Muslim community at large. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, I think looking at it like that, so uh, what is interesting in this Gawali is that mm-hmm. the complaint like the shikwa, that complaint has been articulated by uh, the uh, by Natasha Bing. Right. The complaint has been articulated by this female singer. And uh, it is she who becomes the voice of this a uh, very uh, self-asserting and quite harsh and rebellious voice. She has been given this, you know, rebellious voice. So I think uh, mm. this was quite admirable. Agreed. Uh, stage, uh, and it's a class. Yeah, it's a classical poetry. I mean, it has and it is used. Uh, in, I mean, it has also been used in a lot of anti-state resistance, even in India mm. in recent times. So, uh, giving this very uh, meaning-heavy uh, voice to Natasha Beg was, I think, very progressive of the Coke Studio Pakistan producers. And uh, but uh, her her uh, complaints were then, uh, you know, resolved by the Kavali, which is performed again by Farid Ayaz, whose mm-hmm. voice, who represents the voice of you know, divine authority. Listen, عقل ہے تیری صفر عشق ہے شمشیر تیری عقل ہے تیری صفر اور عشق ہے شمشیر تیری میرے درویش کیا پاک تیرے درویش خلافت ہے جہانگیر تیری Right. And which is both a mix of, you know, it's both um, uh, tough love, but it's also maternal, it's also benevolent. Mm. So I think this 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 particular quality is, is interesting and helpful in understanding, you know, how uh, how at least the female agency has been staged mm. on post to Pakistan. Of course, there are other instances also. Uh, you have a lot of, uh, quite a few songs by Kuratulain Baloch where she's very bold. 
in her expression of love. I mean, she represents the voice of she represents female agency who wants to talk about love in the open, and, mm-hmm. and uh, she's not being that coy and shy, you know, uh, 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 all-conforming entity. But she's very forceful in her demands, just like Natasha. I think you have very skillfully answered that question because that makes a lot of sense, you know, and it's not um, like it, 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 it. The answer kind of explains the reality as it is right now, which brings me to this: uh, the question about reception of Coke Studio compositions. Like, you know, wh- what is wh- who are these people who listen to Coke Studio? Like, is it you know, um, is Coke Studio? categorized as the form of an elite music that you know perhaps people who have access to certain cultural capital will listen to or is it something that you know coke studio pakistan has you know successfully broken the barriers of class and it has permeated to you know different levels of class hierarchy so if we actually analyze the reception of it from a class based angle what are your i know that uh, you know it's it again requires a lot of solid evidences to make a conclusion but um, still you know what is your sense like Hmm. Yeah. Again, um, I really like your, your uh, line of questioning. So, uh, firstly, um, I also like how you use the word elite. So, I think at a very elemental level, you know, the kind of music which, uh, hmm. which has been routinely popularized on Coke Studio Pakistan, mm-hmm. say a Kavali or these different kinds of music. <sighs> Especially speaking about the Kavali, Kavali has very subaltern roots, right? Hmm. So um, this this music in itself uh, has a very has a very grassroots uh, energy in it. Hmm. But yes, um, of course, uh, things acquire a lot of uh, as you uh, as you also said. But if you're listening to the context also makes a lot of sense so for instance if you're listening to a kawali say in a darga on an odd thursday afternoon mm. um you are taking part in the in that organic process of you know not just listening to a kawali but taking part in a community experience mm-hmm. so that is that cannot be classified as say restrictive or elite but yes but when this kawali travels 
Emotional reception. Um, like my last question to you will be, 
um on the lines you know like you can perhaps use your personal experiences onto the same too but i think like you know in a world wherein migration or you know for better opportunities better educational exposure you know it has become a norm uh, i think like the idea of home for people is constantly changing right uh, and uh, we don't know like you know people are always confused what is our home is it is the biological home your only home and you know you go you go abroad and you try to find some sense of comfort some sense of familiarity outside so i mean like in this sort of a setting uh, wherein migration and globalization has become the trend do you think coke studio provides some sort of um, some 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 sense of familiarity comfort a, a, a broad idea of home to uh, the south asian diaspora abroad or like how is how is their relationship like with uh, these compositions do they play a significant role in their lives yeah that's a great question actually mm-hmm. very much so absolutely very much so mm-hmm. so um, mm-hmm. i think uh you pakistan because it's it's as much as a local as i mean my very favorite was now but it's as much as a local but as a transnational and translocal phenomena what mm-hmm. is what is wonderful and uh, this is also something i uh, observed in my past two years here mm-hmm. in uh, la mm-hmm. um i have been i I've, i've identified very true to clear themes you know uh uh to which people uh, identify or people are drawn to something like go studio pakistan one is of course as you very rightfully said mm. um currently i mean uh, the meaning of home is ever changing mm-hmm. home is no longer a fixed thing right? right home is no longer uh, tied you know home is no longer tied to your geographical location but home is anywhere or everywhere where you belong mm-hmm. where you from where you get a sense of belonging so i think this is something which has been enabled through uh, uh coke studio pakistan uh, the, the especially the music and the larger culture that represent especially for people who migrated uh to western countries uh, mm. especially people uh, who were not born here but who came here say in the late 60s or 70s early mm-hmm. 80s mm. a full coke studio Pakistan it definitely provides a sense of belonging mm-hmm. and it uh, it's a sense it's source of nostalgia it's a source of uh, belonging to a home mm-hmm. uh, which no longer exists and it it kind of it it encourages uh, a lot of exilic aspiration mm-hmm. you know uh, you're constantly searching for home and perhaps uh, when you listen to this completely new uh, imagine imagining of of a kawali which you perhaps used to listen to uh, on sunday afternoons in in your mm-hmm. in your house somewhere mm-hmm. in lahore or somewhere in so definitely on one level for people for uh, south asians who are both indians and pakistanis even bangladeshis for that matter for mm-hmm. especially the south asian diaspora who mm-hmm. have migrated here definitely mm-hmm. for them coke studio becomes a portal of belonging mm-hmm. but then there is another uh, there is an another section of people mm. uh, uh, there is an a completely new generation like right? mm-hmm. gen z mm-hmm. uh, these are of course these, uh, these are children of south asian descent mm. uh, but they are um, essentially americans and i think uh, and 
this is also something uh, which I can also speak to based on my own personal experiences with some of my students. I was mm-hmm. uh, uh, being for uh, last quarter, and most of them had uh, heard ghost in Pakistan. Most of them, and there mm-hmm. were certain students who were completely crazy, and they uh, they were just their eyes lit up uh, <laughs> when we used to discuss Kabaddi. and things like that but for them what is happening i mean they are not familiar with this mm-hmm. uh, so for them folk studio pakistan becomes a site of initiation into right. a culture and uh, especially a musical culture mm-hmm. uh, with which they have uh, they of course have an unconscious uh, affinity to it mm-hmm. but um, i remember uh, I recently I was going through someone's dissertation and uh, it was written from the perspective of a diasporic Pakistani who was born here mm-hmm. and they write about I do not remember the name right now and they and they speak about how uh, uh, they initially they heard say Anuswat Patel's Khan to Bali with their father like on a cassette or they uh, mm-hmm. on a CD and they found it to be very jarring. Mm-hmm. And um, they found it was very shrill. Uh, but then, when they heard uh, this uh, a kawali on post video Pakistan, they just got hooked on to it. Mm-hmm. So this, you know, again something I was also mentioning earlier, how post video Pakistan has revitalized local sound, but it has done so with the larger consciousness that people's needs are changing. Mm-hmm. You cannot keep them feeling the same form, but that also doesn't mean that. these forms will die out because then again it you know brings us back to what uh, these kinds the inherent power of these kinds of music and the indian and larger south asian musical culture is that they are flexible they were mm-hmm. always flexible to begin with mm-hmm. they are based on improvisation very dialogic it's very intuitive and it's spontaneous Mm-hmm. So um, today, folk studio, folk studio Pakistan has done, or even Nescafe basement. Mm-hmm. What they've been able to do is they are just they're just tapping into the element energies of these musical cultures. Mm-hmm. So, uh, of course, uh, diasporic audiences, as I also mentioned, they they really uh, they of course they relate very well. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a very much loved phenomenon here. a uh, young people are listening to kawali mm. and mazals and kalams and who like who would have thought that even like say um, two decades back that something like this would happen but then kudos to co studio pakistan for making these things possible although operating <laughs> under a larger logic of capitalism mm-hmm. but then uh but then they've been they've been able to push a message some message across that's that's a very interesting and a very inclusive answer of you know um even like uh, bringing categories into the diaspora you know like on the basis of their age and the generation they belong to but um, with this we've come to the end of our podcast um i am so thankful to you shaver like i don't think that you have missed any aspect related to coke studio and you have given us a really good taste of what kawali is or you know the core of coke studio pakistan that we often talk about romanticized or you know are moved by has been very well given by you uh, in a very critical manner and i truly appreciate you for that Thank you everyone for tuning in. If you made it to the end of the episode and think you loved what you heard, please consider subscribing to us on YouTube or the platform you hear us from. 
and do share us with your family and friends. Don't forget to check out other amazing episodes on a brand new podcast Masala Trails and our other podcasts from Ergo Studios. We would love to hear your feedback and suggestions or even if you have a topic in mind you would like us to talk about on Masala Trails. Please comment below or feel free to write to us through our website that is www.ergostudios.net. If you would like to support Masala Trails or other podcasts of Ergo Studios, you could help us by covering our running costs. To find out more, check out the support us page on our website. Until next time, stay curious, stay safe.